Hi everyone. Um, we are back with Confabulation. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we just want to start off saying our sister's house, which we're all a part of. Um, if you know anybody who's experiencing domestic violence or if you're experiencing domestic violence yourself, know that you can reach out to us at 253-383-4275 or you can visit our website at oursistershouse.com. Um, so today for confabulation, uh, we're just going to go over, I guess, like the history of um, the different ways in which people who are in DV situations or just in dangerous um, relationships uh, have been able to get help from the public um, through like secret signs, um, like posters in the bathroom or if they're out um, at a restaurant or like at a bar, messages that there are to let them know that they can reach out for help if needed. And I guess just kind of like how that's progressed, maybe like some flaws of that and how it could be better. Okay, so I think that um, what brought the topic up was the, the um, young lady in the car and her throwing up the signs, it, it probably saved her life. So um, I think we're looking at um, the pros and cons of you using the signs when you're in a scenario of um, domestic violence or um, being kidnapped or whatever in a, in a car or, you know, even on the store in the um, on the street or whatever. So um, I think our question was, or one of the questions is, is that sign always going to be a conventional or or a um, a saving grace for um, for that person that's um, throwing up the sign and. Is it clear that they're throwing uh, that they're giving a sign that I need help, and could it create a um, volatile situation and put that person's life in danger, or could it put the person who thought they saw a sign in danger? So, I think that. Um, well, I've seen another um, signal. Um, a person who was experiencing domestic violence, they kind of like, they were in a public place and she wrote like on a little slip what was going on and she slid it to um, the person who was at the front desk and um, that person like went to the back and spoke to her, I'm going to say like supervisor or manager and like they all stayed calm and they ended up calling the police and that guy got arrested. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that could be another way for, um, victims of domestic violence uh, can reach out to the to the public and be discreet as well and be as safe as possible because you don't want that person to fully blow the whole thing out of proportion and then everybody in that center becomes unsafe. Exactly. Because like also in doing that, uh, I guess like telling people who are experiencing DV, maybe that's like something that, or not telling them, but like bringing that into the conversation of like ways that you can probably reach out to help might be helpful because as I said, like when you have those flyers in the bathroom saying 
oh, if you need help, like do this and this and this. One, that's not going to always reach the right people. Two, like it leaves out a lot of people because it's only in usually women's restrooms. Um, And in doing that where you just, it's just like, we kind of normalize that, oh, like when you're out eating or like just literally out anywhere in a public setting, there's ways to reach out for help. But I feel like the ways that people are so used to is kind of like very institutionalized, um, official ways to like reach out. And so things like that don't really come across to them just because it's a little bit more, it's very discreet. (laughs) And I don't think we hear about it very much. Um, the other thing with it being like, let's say you're at a bar or, um, and it's only in the women's bathroom and they use a code word, how often do they change it? Right. So if you go and you say, let's say it's a cocktail, like they say, it's like the angel shot of the night or whatever it is, they probably don't change it regularly. And if you're hanging out with the guys or a group of people, um, It really needs to be changed every single night. It can't be something that's there for a full month or three days straight because now it just made everybody vulnerable. So even if we're going to say it's only in the women's bathroom, which is now saying it's not okay for the men and the non-binary and that population, and we're going to say we're strictly saying it's just for this gender, you're not putting this gender at risk anyway. So for something like that, you really aren't helping them as much as you think you are. Um, And especially in like a bar or a restaurant um, where they're serving alcohol, which is going to make people feel their emotions more often. And a lot of times it increases like the risk factors. Um, It's not necessarily the safest place to do it. And how many of those bartenders or the bouncers are trained on how to respond if all of a sudden somebody finds out that this is happening, right? So if they know that it's now happening and they did use that code word and somebody, so they know how to respond with the code word, but do they know how to respond if somebody knows that somebody else is using that code word? So that's like the other part of it is like, okay, where's the intervention of the bartender knew exactly what to do but they didn't know how to react. Do they know how to react if all of a sudden the partner knew that it was happening? And then add on the fact that we now have people who are in same-sex partnerships and they see the bathroom code words. So is it really, are they, you just took away an entire population there as well. So that's on that kind of, that's just like my thinking there. So I have a question for you all. What do you guys think should be done differently for victims to reach out as far as um, being in a public setting? Like how how do you think people should, um, businesses and companies should go about it in a way where victims can report there safely? So you happened to mention um, reading something and I saw, I don't remember where I saw it. Um, a It happened to be a girlfriend in a, boyfriend at a restaurant and um she dropped something 
and she, I don't know if she like left a note or she, she met, said something to, um, oh, she asked for a napkin, I think. And, um, when she, she dropped the napkin and she asked the server for, um, a pen and she just like left it on the floor and she just like totally left it. Um, then she dropped a fork on the ground and when she went to pick it up, she just wrote help. And, um, again, she was just like left it like at her shoe under her shoe when the server left gave it. And it was one of those things really methodic thinking. And I thought it was just like one of those brilliant crisis thinking that we don't have the wherewithal all the times as victims, survivors, warriors, but this woman figured out a moment that she could get help and a second to do it. Now she also, her, her, her abuser put her on the outside, not the inside. She was really lucky, right? Like it was just one of those chances that she just positioning, right? It was like, how did this happen? And she was really lucky about that, right? So you have to look at your opportunities. Um, the server um, went and got the manager or the front person and they called in somebody. And um, I like, this is all through like a video and they have like a caption. Um, I wish I had this to like give the link. And um, they kept the guy there. Uh, they said like, oh, we screwed up your order. Let us send you another one or whatever. And they ended up getting um, somebody to come in, the police to come in for her to leave. And the server stayed with this woman the entire time, like when she when they were arresting him. It was amazing, amazing. And we don't see that because you don't know, you don't know if the person you tell is going to help or not. And that's kind of like the risk of doing it. Um, and at the same time is sometimes you can feel if it's an empathetic person, like you just can feel it. And sometimes you can't. Um, and I think sometimes you're just gonna have to take that chance if you're really ready to do that. And um, so I think that's like one way to do it. I don't, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. If you see an opportunity, sometimes that's just what you're gonna have to do. And I'm thinking a little bit more about who, so say you were the person that received the high any help um, type of signal. It's kind of like, who do you call in this moment? Because everybody's first instinct would be, we should call the police. But in that moment, it gets very sticky because if she's not being abused in that moment, what are they coming there to do? Absolutely nothing. They can't arrest him because, I mean, he's probably not, doing he's probably not um displaying the domestic violence in, in public so it would be hard for the police to just come there off of hearsay and off of um what was written on a napkin 
per se and just arrest arrest someone. And that's the the scariest part about it, too, because who do you pass that information along to when you want the victim to actually get help? and actually get her away from this person because I don't see law enforcement getting there and arresting um, the opposing party like on the spot if he's not actually doing anything. I kind of disagree with that. If they're saying help right there, it could be seen almost as kidnap. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not giving legal advice, right? But if somebody's saying help right there, they're feeling trapped. They're feeling like they can't get away. I don't know. What do you guys think? I go ahead, Beverly. I'm 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 kind of with you though, uh, Janae, because I guess I feel like I, I guess I'm just thinking and looking at law enforcement today and all the stuff that's going on. So someone slips a napkin and says, help. They know nothing else. I see no abuse. You don't look harmed. What am I helping? And so I think about if law enforcement even comes, what are they going to go to him and say, him or her? Um, At that point, have they put, has, has that person who is crying out for help put themselves in harm's way because if the police come up there, the, the law enforcement, are they going to just walk up and, and tell him, come here, we need to talk to you because she said help. So really, I don't see them just walking in and arresting or pulling him out, you know, what is going on here or whatever, when there's absolutely nothing substantial uh, or to substantiate um, her asking for help. Like it would, in in a perfect and real world, it would, I mean, in a perfect world, it would be nice if you, if you could say help (laughs) and they could read between the lines, but they can't, and they can't just walk up and, and her, and it becomes harassment, a sort, sort of, they're walking in to people sitting at a table. What what are we helping you for? So how would they even approach that? That in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. How how would they approach it? What would they be saying to the person? Uh, would they tell the guy, "Can you step outside for a minute?" Maybe they could. Maybe that's the approach, and then she could tell the um, restaurant staff, this is why I asked for help or whatever. So that's, that's so, yeah, there's so many ifs in that scenario, but I really just don't see law enforcement just walking right in and arresting a person because someone says help. You know, it it would be, it's different when they're in a car and, and they sign help. You immediately know there's something going on because they're in the car, right? In the cars, I think in my mind. Well, I guess I think about this. My husband's car was stolen, and I called the I called law enforcement, and they told me we cannot arrest anyone if the car is not moving. So if the car is parked, there's nothing they could do. So I kind of think about that. 
someone in a moving car and they and they throw a sign up law enforcement moves in on it quickly because the car is moving and that tells them um if i call and say i, I saw someone in a back seat and and i believe they threw up the the sign for help they go for the car because it's moving and they give the license plate number to all patrol um, uh, cars that are in that area. So they kind of pounce on it. That makes sense. But a person, people sitting at a, at a table in a restaurant and she says, help, what are we helping you for? How do you get past just the help? I have so many like things that are like coming to my mind about this. Um, I, if I was the person that received the the napkin and I'm in this public place with the um, with the victim, my first instinct probably wouldn't be to call the cops because I know that they wouldn't um, do what we would want them to. I would, um, in some way, I would house her. Like I wouldn't let her leave with him. Like when it's time to go. And he would be he he would be walking out by himself because we're just gonna be like oh we're gonna talk to her really fast, and then she never comes outside because we're gonna keep her here and keep her safe and then figure out I guess um see if she has any other family members that can come and get her where where she can be safe or something like that I don't know and if if I could ideally I just wouldn't want her to leave with him. So that's what I would be more focused on instead of just going straight forward and like, let's get him arrested because it's going to be much harder than that. And um, as far as, you know, the courts and stuff like that, uh, I think that domestic violence is something we, we all see it every day. It's something that unfortunately is very hard to prove. Like it's hard to get somebody really in trouble for this kind of thing without having hard evidence history of PTOs, history of domestic violence, prints of the the text messages, pictures of the scars and the th things like that. And even with all of that, sometimes it's always, it's never a guarantee that this person is going to be apprehended and await for a long time because then he's finding things while he's in, while he's in prison to still continue the harassment. So it's just, it's a lot that goes into it. And, um, yeah, it, it it has my mind going because it's like we don't really even know how we can help and um domestic violence itself is just something that I feel like is so overlooked and we do need to form some type of system and some type of way to help victims so that we can lower these rates so that we can so that we can get them, you know, um safer much faster and much more efficient than what, you know, we're doing. So, so since I saw it, right, the first thing I saw it was, was this kidnapping almost, right? So would it almost be beneficial to try to separate them and see if they would not separate, right? Like you can't go with that, like you can't leave and then the call. Like then find a way to like provoke him in public? Not really. It's like, <laughs> not really like see if he'll let her, let the the uh, victim or the person who asked for help go to the bathroom. Like you can't go to the bathroom or say like, 
Um, I have, I'm having an issue with like my bra strap or something if you're a woman or I'm having an issue with something if you're a male or like something to see if they could separate, like come up with something, right? And try to bring them somewhere private and see if you could separate them. I mean, like anything, right? Like let's say it's a clasp on your jeans or uh, you need help with, I, I, I don't know, right? If it's an apron and it, you need a help like tying it, do you mind coming over here and helping me tie it or whatever it is? Like, um, oh, I broke a glass here. Do you mind like literally break a glass on purpose and like, oh, sorry, you guys, I need to move your booths and have them go separate ways. You know, like try to separate them because if they won't separate, you can visually see it. I, I don't know. Like, it's just something I'm trying to think. Cause like I, first thing I thought of, right, was kidnapping. And then this way, it gives the opportunity for seeing if you can call the police or not. I feel like, I don't know, just hearing all of you talk, there's so much of like an individual level kind of responsibility for all parties involved when in like the solutions that we're trying to think of. And I'm thinking like, it needs to be bigger than that. Like every single public space where people that's designated for people to go spend money enjoy whatever like there needs to be somebody like that's sole sole purpose is to make sure everybody seems like they are safe so in doing that like a liaison liaison is that how you pronounce it in terms of like whether that's at a restaurant at an amusement park at a public park like I, it's just like, there's so much nuance around the whole trying to get help from one, like, cause even me, I was like, oh, like I was kind of on the side of like, they can just like try reaching out in non-traditional ways and like for help, but that's still so much responsibility on them too. Um, and we still don't know if like, they're actually going to get the help that they need. And it's just like, a, like John, I said, like, BB is so overlooked that the fact that there isn't somebody like already in, like there there aren't any rules to make sure that people that are um at a like a business or whatever like that to make sure that everyone is okay like just goes to see that it's not taken seriously because like if somebody sees I guess like an act of like racism right like they're gonna get kicked out maybe by somebody that's working at the store like a manager or something but it's like how do you do that when it's like somebody is like raising their voice at their partner or like their partner looks visibly like in distress like what do you do you can't make like are you able to make the, those assumptions without them reaching out but then if they do reach out like what do you do from there but if there is a designated role for people for like if there's a designated rule and in every public place there's like if you need help like you can get help or whatever maybe they'll see those signs around and they'll kind of just like have their eyes wide open maybe they'll notice those things and then whoever that designated person will you know see that there's something wrong 
And if they have all the resources to make sure that they can get that person out of the situation as safely as possible, it would work out. But it just sucks that there isn't like anything in that, like in place for people who are experiencing VB. It's kind of like, you might get lucky, not like you're not for sure, like going to go to a restaurant and know that you might be able to leave without your abusive partner. It's just like, it's the case of will I not, I, I will, I guess. Will I not, I will. Yeah. Well, it kind of comes back to the topic of like the taboo idea of it being like a personal issue versus a social issue. Right. Um, and I know we talked about that a lot with the sex trafficking, but it's also a DV issue. Right. Um, and so it's not just a personal, it's not a family issue. It's a social issue. It's an everybody issue. And so I think that's something that once society starts not seeing it as taboo to talk about and really saying like, okay, this is, I see somebody yelling at a partner or smacking them or like somebody's got to say something. But a lot of people are not just worried about that. They're also worried about their personal safety when it comes to like what's going to happen. And then they don't know how to handle it or who to call if they do end up separating somebody, like you're saying, and where to go from there. And so there are just so many layers of what to do and how to do and to it. And it's because of that because we've seen it at such a personal family type of problem instead of turning it into this social thing. So I have two things that I want to um, touch base on. I want to um, piggyback off of what Michelle said, because you're absolutely right. I don't know if you guys seen that video um, yesterday that was going around about that ex-football player um literally throwing his his um, ex-girlfriend into the TV and the way she was so calm you can tell that she had been there before and that this is not new and her defense mechanism was to not make a big deal out of it or provoke him even more but seeing the men respond to the video is always interesting to me because men are what they usually say is I can never associate myself with someone like that, but they don't know that they already do. And men and who, whoever, no, no gender roles, but people see other people getting verbally abused and physically abused in front of them often, more often than we know. And nobody wants to do much about it because at the end of the day, you don't know, you, you want to mind your business, but you also want to do the right thing. And I just like, it's so hard to find a middle to all of that because you don't know what that other person could have and you could end up in the same situation or or even worse. So it's hard to, you know, find that middle for people to want to help and ensure their safety at the same time. And I also want to piggyback off of what Bethel said as far as businesses being a little bit more involved with DV and a little bit more aware. Um, am I crazy? Like, I, I just got like an idea, like this would be ideal um, for businesses. I would say if if I was a business owner and um, domestic violence was something that I cared about and I wanted to make sure that the people who came into my restaurant or whatever um, I own, it, 
are safe, I would like in the men and women's bathroom, I would want to have like some type of like Dropbox and like on it, it says like, if you know anybody that's experiencing DV or if you're experiencing DV, just, you know, drop your phone number in here or something or a safe phone number that we can call you on or email or something like that. And um, somebody would ideally like check that Dropbox that works in what we do and, you know, find a way to give that person a call or follow up with that person to see how we can help or anything like that. That would be something that's like ideal to me as far as businesses. What do you guys think about that? So I can comment that in Europe, I know France did it, um, England did it during COVID. Uh, the pharmacies had code words that um, people were able to reach out. Um, and it was like one of those things where it didn't matter. And because a lot of times people went there privately, right, to get your medications, and then they were able to get them access to resources. So it's kind of a, it's different, but it's a similar way of doing it. So it's kind of a great idea. And it's something that it does use the resources in that kind of sense. Ideally, that would be nice if, I like that idea, Janae, a box in the um, restrooms and that kind of, um, I think that kind of puts the the restaurant or the business on note on makes them accountable too, and to some degree, you know what I mean? Because like you like um, I think Michelle was saying earlier, all parties are responsible. People are responsible when you see it, whether you deal with it or not. When you see or even think you saw some form of abuse or heard it, what do we do with it? But that brings out a different um, accountability. If they posted the box in their bathroom, in their restrooms or whatever, it just brings about awareness. People don't wanna, they, they just don't wanna admit that it's really going on. I don't wanna admit that my friends, friend, I, did I just see you or did I just hear you? And like you said, they want to mind their own business, right? And discard it. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, you know, he's abusing her. And at what point and what do you do? How do you do it? So I, I like that idea. You said, what do we think? I, I really like that idea that um, some type of uh, receptacle there for a per for you know, when a person goes in the bathroom and sees that and um, sticks it in the box and, hey, it brings about some type of awareness and then maybe some some type of um, help to them. That's a resource. Yeah. But, um, no. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. It also is, it's a lot easier to go along with bystanders, right? Like this bystander effect of following everybody. But um, by doing something like that, sometimes people can't make that phone call or it's not safe for them to make that phone call or something. So like if you're in a bathroom or a bathroom stall, you have that, that moment to be able to put the phone number or an email or you could like message a QR code where it's that second that you have of 
momentary freedom so somebody can connect you. So I think that's actually a, an amazing idea. Yeah, it's definitely, I don't know. Yeah, I really appreciate everything that's been said. It's, it's just like the world doesn't center the people who are the most vulnerable. And that includes obviously DV victims and survivors. And like, as people, like technically, like, like legally, we don't have, I mean, it obviously depends on your job too, but we don't have an obligation to help other people. And like, that's just like a really big flaw in society and also just like how things work. Um, and it's unfortunate that like, it's so hard for victims and survivors to find peace and find people to, you know, be at their side when they are like needing help. And I don't know, I, I really hope there's like big structural changes that are made in which like, making sure people are protected in your place of business or wherever you are like is implemented into that like building into that area um and because like it affects millions of people <laughs> and the fact that it affects millions of people and they're still not really like i guess like a solid solution just goes to show how overlooked it is um but yeah, that's just what I wanted to end with. Um, and like, thank you everyone again for tuning in. Um, we hope that this is kind of insightful. And if you did feel inspired by it, like, you know, you can maybe make a difference in the place where you work or with like, talk to the people that you know, maybe you can start something up and um, try and make your place of work or like a bit more, I guess, survivor, DV survivor and victim inclusive, um, because you don't know who's experiencing. It could be literally anybody in a room. Um, so again, we just want to remind you all, uh, if you or anybody that you know is experiencing DV, um, our sister's house um, is here to help. You can contact us at 253-383-4275 or visit our website at oursistershouse.com. Thank you everyone for tuning in.